getting enough food to eat and shelter from the elements. that support much of the rest of the time it can be quite confusing Mm. conceptually it's quite confusing Mm. so you know because conceptually there are contradictions say how do we how do we maintain the desire without craving should we have no desire? Or isn't that another desire? To not have a desire? Mm. <laughs> How do you maintain staying with something without attaching to it? Isn't that the same? What's that? How's this, how do you maintain how does the sense of progress without achieving anything? <laughs> what's, what's that? We're supposed to get out of it, we're supposed to get something out of it. Otherwise, what's the point of being here? And conceptually, it's, it's confusing. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's part of the shakedown. Is con- conce- conceiving is a confusing <laughs> process. <laughs> and so... And even more confusing, I'm saying the one of the most significant, perhaps, uh, openings of uh, perhaps and ongoing uh, uh, qualities that arise is quality of faith, faith in the Dharma. But don't believe in it. And it's conceptually these things seem very close and indeed it's confusing. Mm-hmm. The Buddha was one of the first um, early teaching was uh, the perils of conceiving things. Seeing someone who is in um, training should not conceive of themselves in something, apart from something. Uh, having something, not having something, you should not conceive. You uh, should directly experience, directly know, and that's the that's the transition to directly know rather than conceive. And most of the time, naturally, we operate in terms of what we can conceive, with the idea that what we can conceive will take us into direct experience. Uh, that's fulfilling deeply. Uh, but the process of conceiving means we live in a world where our minds are continually creating something to hope for, to, to wish for and eventually that process begins to take over so it's only that that's the dominant feature the, the something that I would like to have and that sense of leaning forward but there is a movement a trajectory of Dhamma, which kind of goes in a different direction. Mm, so the direction of conceiving and craving tends to uh, generate uh, a world of increasing complexity, of <coughs> increasing options and increasing possibilities. Mm. The world of Dhamma leads to a decrease in that complexities to increasing simplicity, unification, to the dissolution of complexities, to a singularity, to a singularity that eventually even loses that, becomes an undifferentiated uh, nibbana. That's a, it's a dissolution of, of, of experiences down to something that's inconceivable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there is a there is a 
path for that, which is an increasing uh, touching into Dhammas, direct experience that tend towards the lessening of complication, proliferation, lessening of that movement of the mind. So the stilling. It's in the stilling the mind begins to realize itself rather than the conditions that it normally is associated with. So as I was saying earlier, sometime you know, we may imagine our mind is, a, is the thoughts or the one that thinks. We imagine our, we call our mind our heart. We may very well feel my, my heart is troubled or there's difficult emotions my heart is in. My heart is confused. My mind is, is troubled. Well, yeah, um, agreed as an, as an experience, but if we look, we develop done, we recognize, yeah, there's awareness of anxiety. Uh, there's awareness of uh, conflict. There's awareness of uh, agitation. Awareness is not troubled. Agitation is being what agitation is. It's moving, shifting, changing. Why don't I incline towards, towards the awareness of that? Putting less energy, less interest, less conviction in agitation and the various ideas and themes that it can bring up. So there's a movement away from the complexities condition to, to an increasing simplicity of conditions, condition of steady, condition of not generating more, calm, cooling, that, that's the direction, it's something that uh, is intuited by one's own mind, one's own heart, as you more directly experience um, how it is. So how it is is there are various agreeable, disagreeable experiences, perceptions, memories, hopes, aspirations, sensations, and so forth. There's a lot there. I need to simplify because there's too much going on. Therefore, we we meditate. We put things. We renounce. We put things aside. This is something we all get some sense of. Put certain things aside, put things aside, so you can get to the point. You get to the point, you get a bit more focused and calm, and recognize even within that, there's quite a lot going on, even with breathing in and out. There's certain memories and inclinations, and the mind wavers and hovers, and you well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to manage this? And just, wow, it's getting quite intense here. Uh, what about if I just follow the body and leave the mind? You know, just let the mind be unopinionated, uh, not driven, not aiming, but just trust the body because it breathes in and out. Can I just be with that? <coughs> you know, increasingly deconstructing um, mental activities. Well, yeah, it feels better, mm. agreeable. The lessening is agreeable. So there's a progressive quality where the, the lessening actually becomes agreeable rather than destitute, rather than impoverished. Because in the lessening, there is the fundamental property of chitta begins to be apparent. It was less apparent when the chitta was occluded or, or uh, dense, densely compacted with desires, interests, fears, worries, histories, stories, futures, pasts. It was very much like we couldn't see, couldn't see the wood for the trees, couldn't see the, couldn't see the space for the amount of things that were in it. Yet the residual property of chitta is agreeable. In case it is unfettered. It's just that. It's, it's nature, it's pleasant, agreeable. The sense of settling is agreeable. The sense of 
spaciousness is agreeable. The sense of a calming is agreeable. Why? Because it is. If it's not agreeable, then this double would be aimed at misery. <laughs> it's not. So the Buddha said, you know, it's mentioned before, this would not be a well-being. One teach it. Why should anyone teach one of the misery? It wasn't true, I wouldn't teach it. And if you couldn't do it, I wouldn't teach it. Because it is for your welfare. Not some theoretical welfare. Not some this is good for you. That kind of moralizing welfare actually make you feel a lot better. More comfortable. Uh, greater potentials. Less pressurized. Less frenzied. Less gripped. More open, more spacious for your welfare. And because this you're able to function more clearly, think more clearly, take your time, not just jumping and impulsive, frightened and nervous, but just clear and composed, confident, that's for your welfare. It has to be true. Is it about adopting something? That's why it's not a belief. You have enough faith, says I'll try. I'll have a go at that because it interests me. <coughs> People who practice this seem to be okay, you know, in themselves, even when situations around don't look that great. They still look okay, they still look comfortable. How's that? Because it's true. And you can do it. They did it, you can do it. You can you can trap it. We're all human beings. So teaching for humans, not for gods. Gods sometimes have a more difficult time in, in Buddhism than humans. Because tend, gods tend to believe in themselves. It's <laughs> 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 being something on the other. Whereas humans it's not it's not so easy to keep that thing going to while you start to get the, the signals of, of, oh, didn't quite work, did it? So sometimes it's, it's that, that, that sense of losing belief in oneself that causes you to, hey, wait a minute, I need to find something else I'm outside of my domain, out of my measured ground, out of my habits. So is that best faith, <coughs> sense of moving beyond and then you know, so we're going to go into areas that we didn't know and that's a certain precarious quality to that you know, if you're going into the known it's not going to take you very far is it to go into what you can conceive of is just like going nowhere conceiving of what love, peace, truth, what great but where does it go? Just empty sounds. Yeah. Are we going into what we don't know, what we can't conceive of? There's a certain precarious quality to that. Mm-hmm. And naturally, one can feel as this confused, uncertain, therefore, an absolute need, necessity to feel <coughs> safe. That's the moral sense. You know. Companionship, non-abusiveness, and non-abusiveness towards oneself, and grounded. And check it out. And check it out. Find out for myself. You know, good. That's it. But uh, that self that we're talking about now is really referring to your chitta, direct experience. How is this? And there's a particular trajectory that is definitely experienced. Definitely people experience this. And it's a sense of sadha, faith. We feel this is deep memory. This is opening. This is taking me outside of the areas that I'm familiar with into new places that actually 
are lighter, freer, less afflicted, less clamoured, less contracted. Mm. That's the flavour of it. This leads to liberation, to the cleaning away of holding on places of being held. Will it make your way with that? You get the hint of it, the possibilities, and it gives rise to a certain energy. Yeah. I'm going to follow that up. Mm-hmm. It's this very crucial faith energy uh, as, the, as the root of our practice. And the energy and application leads to the diminution of complexities, the diminution of beliefs and opinions and views, it leads to <coughs> more settled more confident, quieter, less need to have to hold on. And agreeable. And the rising intention of that is has an energy to it. So this stomach is developed is is based upon energy application, and so again that's something we can feel ooh, stress, strain, struggle, conflict, pushing forward. Oh, I had enough of that. I'm exhausted. It's a different kind of, of energy. It's like energy that gently untangles a knot. Energy that uh, heals a wound. Energy that takes a weight off your back, energy to unbuckle. Uh, Took some doing, but the result of it was freer. And the application of that was in terms of one's faith, one's sense of, yeah, I trust this, I'll work with this. And the movement is inclined towards, in line with the three fundamental Attitudes or motivation principles, a mind devoid of violence, savageness, brutality, vindictiveness, harshness, a mind devoid of insensitivity, cruelty, indifference, recklessness, and a mind devoid of holding on to sense sights and sounds and touches and thoughts doesn't mean we don't experience them but we're not asking a lot from them just letting them be there as navigations as things we can contemplate how they affect us so then you're inclining towards qualities of chitta of heart for one's guidelines one's reference points this is quite amazing. This is why it was always an amazing sign for people at the time of the Buddha to see these summers of kind of living out on the ground and living out with bales of straw and living wearing old rags and you know living on scraps of food, looking totally happy, <laughs> <laughs> contented because their, their minds were bright. And they didn't really need that much, just to keep going. So there's a quality of the, the chitta regenerates happiness in itself, because its nature, its unbounded nature is, is pleasant, is happy. Why should it not be? We tend to take happiness as something we have to go out and get. It's a rather sad state, isn't it? So to go and get it, it means fundamentally you're not it. So, you know, this is where the contradictions accumulate, don't they? The Buddha's talking about unsatisfactoriness, and yet, that's happy? <laughs> no, it means conditioned phenomena are seen as incomplete, therefore, I don't... <laughs> 
reach out and grab them. Therefore, the mind is happy. Its nature is happy. Gently happy. Joyful. There's a vigor. Because the mind also has intentionality as it arises. It has a certain sense of a rising up energy. Or is it, does it rise into goodwill? The nature, essential nature of the fundamental condition, you might say, is of goodwill. Why not? What is it? So, you know, it's like people say, well, how do you practice metta? How do you practice loving kindness? It's like, well, how do you practice ill will? <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> and the rest of it's what happens. Well, how do you practice ill will? Well, how do you have to practice ill will? First of all, set, set up ideas of perfection. That's going to make you really critical. <laughs> <laughs> That's really going to make you quite quite critical. You're someone who seeks perfection, you always find fault. So just stop doing that, and your mind's going to be a lot more generous and flexible. Notice how we sense a sense of anxiety about what we don't know, what could be, what might go wrong, what other people might think. Well, stop doing that. And just play with the idea that maybe things can go right. <laughs> or just stop doing the anxiety and just relax <coughs> in your body. You're here. It's okay. Now, taking that, you don't know. Next moment, we never know directly. And now, ground, you say. So take that in, absorb that. Therefore, what is mind of good will arises? Because there's nothing to be now to imagine could go wrong. Could do. If you want to practice in a world, do that. <laughs> also, you could remember the past. That's a good way. You can remember things that went wrong in the past. <laughs> That's a good way to practice ill will. <laughs> but what about, if you want to do that, when you recollect the good things that happened in the past? People who showed you acts of generosity or kindness or you know, courtesy or offerings. Yeah. Even better, do it yourself. Just make some gesture, some movement of whether you like them or not. Doesn't matter. You have to, you know, you can still do some quality of, of generosity, kindness, goodwill. Because it feels good. And um, don't get down to deserve it. That's another way to generate your will. Figure out who deserves it. Deserves <laughs> <laughs> goodwill. And well, actually, you know, sounds um, a little bit of goodwill, maybe not too much. <laughs> <laughs> Measuring mind. That would certainly put a damper on it. So we stop doing that. Stop measuring, deserving. Uh, Figure out whether we are worth it or not, whether we deserve it or not, have done good enough or not. Stop doing that. What's left? Mm-hmm. So just go completely blank. You don't know. Maybe. Probably what's occurring is one is going into thinking, and then the thought empties out, and you feel. I don't know, am I good, am I bad, I don't know. They're going into the conceptual world, which is empty of that feeling. So go to the non-conceptual direct experience which your body can give you. Let's think in that. Here it is. Breathing in, breathing out. 
you're already being given lots of things. Warmth, breath, vitality. How lovely. And we begin to settle into the gift. We have intelligence, sensitivity, heart that can open, tremble, and the concern for the welfare of others. It does that. This is something to feel, this is rather precious and beautiful. Where we look after this precious quality. There's a mind of goodwill, loving kindness, gladness, appreciation, rejoicing, even. So, as you tune into more fundamental properties of chitta, there is a certain joy. How come joy, pleasure? Oops. I thought this is not about, no, it's not about not having pleasure. It's recognize some kinds of pleasure spin you out, some kinds of pleasure take you in and deepen you. The deep joy of gladness of heart, appreciation, faith, groundedness. Deep joy of that doesn't spin you out. towards one's liberation from rushing around, trying to accumulate, trying to find, trying to know, and rest into what's present, and deepen into it, and these treasures begin to be revealed. <coughs> There's a very fundamental joy there. And even more than that, there's a fundamental contentment more than that is a fundamental piece as you deepen and deepen through that. So there definitely is a trajectory there. There's a trajectory of a Dhamma that deepens rather than moves onwards, you know, forwards or backwards, it opens and deepens. So it's a different direction, direction of Dhamma. So when we begin to have an experiential uh, access and a lot of the conflicts and contradictions and begin to be resolved. So you say, is there only one Dhamma? Who's got the right one? Who has the right Dhamma? Is it the Theravadan Dhamma? Mahayana Dhamma? Vajrayana Dhamma? about Vedanta Dhamma or maybe it could be we don't want to be unfair let's try and get a few Christians in here too <laughs> we want to be communicable about it or we don't like that discrimination but they believe in this and that it doesn't fit with our beliefs and the Buddha said there's only one incontrovertible Dhamma oh. so you look at all the lists now those are the concepts. There's one Dhamma, the Dhamma which we call deeply. Whatever deepens, say that's that's Dhamma. Whatever deepens tends towards eliminating obstructions, distractions, conflictions, complications, deepens you into the ineffable, inexpressible quality of chitta. That's that's true Dhamma. And uh, you should say the truest, the bestest of that is the one that go all the way. Because <laughs> that's where you want to go. You want to go to as far as it's going to go. Why not? Why hold back? If it can move. A lot of our practice is just maintaining that sense of um, potency. And we get afflicted and we get definitely stymied and hurdles and walls and barriers come up, you can't, stuck, stuck, attached, stuck, stuck, so attached to this, I'm attached to that, stuck with this, I'm desperate about that, you know, I've really got an attached person with lots of this, back off, you know, 
It's, 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 um, we need to return not to our personal ways of thinking, but to where do I touch into something that deepens, deep in quality, calm in quality, ground, spaciousness, simple rhythm, simplicity, and that. Taking it in, take all the time. You cannot, you can't go forward. But it will take you forward. And you have to wait. And just deepen into it till it takes you forward. You can't go forward. You can't go back. You can't stand still. But you can balance or watch you when you feel your sense of faith deepening and let that move forward. That will carry you. This is part of the process. It's the dominance, these faith, energy, mindfulness, uh, composure. Um, these are the vehicles that take you forward. They carry you. You have to kind of keep going back to where you directly experience them, not just as ideas or beliefs or systems or techniques or and, you know not that systems and techniques and ideas are invaluable but they're flags that can point us towards the direct dhamma and then it's what one really you get a sense of something shivers and recognizes and oh yeah I'm there for that and you find it starts to move you so a lot of the time we're actually recognizing yeah you know because we tend to conceive things in terms of things we can remember because direct experience you can't really carry it the concepts very easy to carry we do it all the time concepts you can just take that in your head and unpack it you know, so oh, i did a retreat three years ago we did this that this that and now i want to do it again mistake <laughs> there's no again direct experience but you so I can remember the gist of that and take that and then I've really got to unpack it not just implant it unpack what happened you know, how it goes first of all the process and waiting for the deepening the grounding the safety to occur waiting for things to rise beginning to put things aside, change the energy of the mind, let the energy of the mind settle, come from concept, direct experience, that's already a big, big step. Which means when we come from concept of direct experience, you know, we leave some of the calm abstractedness of concepts into the more wild and uh, organic process of direct experience. What's happening to my body, my energies, my moods, my repercussions of what I've been doing, you know, the, the shuddering effect of too, being too busy for 10 years. Something's everything's jangly. Oh, I don't like this at all. And that's where you start, okay, from there, simple ground. Just trust it. It won't do you any harm. And waiting for those waves to die down, breathing in, breathing out simple, spacious walking, breathing in, breathing out. It's going to be take time, so it's a bit like withdrawal symptoms. You know, you get nostalgic for samsara after, <laughs> after two days. It wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> but now you're you know, you've committed for a week of this, oh dear. But don't worry, Sangsara is waiting for you. <laughs> at, at the gate, she never leaves you. So, so you always go back to that. And I just trust that process of, oh, oh. okay, this is stuff that's there, has to be dealt with. That's more or less, you know, the way it goes. So, certainly for myself, you know, starting... Meditation practice with nothing, no experience, and just 
you know, went to a monastery and they basically got shut up in a box for three years. You know, they walk every day, that was it. And no one to talk to. And one meal. And okay. You know, it's pretty much hitting the wall. Um, but then, you know, you, you kind of recognize as well, my mind is so crazy. But the realization, yeah, but if it's crazy, it's in my mind, it isn't going to go away, is it, by shift, you know, changing the wallpaper. <laughs> Better deal with it. And some recognition that suffering has to be understood rather than skipped over. Or, you know, there's nothing really, you know, it's not the greatest, but it's nothing really wrong with this situation. It's not violent, abusive, you know, seductive, enticing, don't have to pay anything. It's just like, okay, so just, okay, just get into your body, work with that. And then every time in the mind, thinking of tremendously inventive reasons to get out. <laughs> Starving, malnourished, uh, misunderstood, fun over there. Yeah, but you've done that. Yeah. And anxiety doesn't end that way. It doesn't end by doing stuff. I don't get fulfilled by, you know, eating kind of food that wasn't particularly my thing. You know, pretty poor food actually, but yeah, but I did have all kinds of food and it didn't fill me up anyway. You know. So you know, let's just get down to it. This body and mind, breathing in, breathing up faith. It's not belief because it's not really about this is the best place in the world. But one has placed one's faith in a path of deepening and the supportive conditions for that have to be treated with respect. You know, the supportive conditions for that deepening. There's something, someone, some teaching that you can feel a sense of, yeah, this works. You know, it's not always comfortable, but it's helping me to open and deepen. There are practices that first are not that exciting or powerful or dynamic or exhilarating, but they do get into the places that I've been avoiding. And as I come through that, I get, yeah, yeah, a bit more grounded, a bit more sane. Certainly, you know, so it's like that. Now, my inclination, I think, was for something more intense. You know, Derabada Buddhism is pretty boring. You know, sort of lukewarm stuff. And I've sort of had more interest in being some like a sadhu that's sort of a bit more <laughs> out there, you know, really kind of wild and dreadlocks and <laughs> shake it around to something ecstatic, bhakti, or smoke ganja. <laughs> <laughs> and have sort of shakti experiences, the kundalini coursing up and down my spine, and just sitting in some boring monastery well, not drop this kundalini anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no ganja, no shakti, nothing. This is dreary. Dark night of the soul is an underestimate. Not night, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ant, it's a decade. <laughs> a decade of drear. Dreariness. Bored, fed up, bored, no interest. Or on this, struggling away. <laughs> uh, and then every now and then you just you stop and pause and oh, yeah. coming out of my package is good. And my intensities. This is subtle.
really although the experiences themselves are nothing special really it's breathing and breathing out walking up and down <coughs> it's, it's another level it's really dealing with fundamental attitude of having an experience I want to have a powerful experience surely that's what it's about come to it, have a good experience have an interest have a deep rewarding spiritual experience, that must be what it's about, isn't it? Probably even might have said it in the brochure, I don't know. <laughs> 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 the brochures generally have, the teachers always smiling. The brochures like they've had a happy experience. And, oh, she had a happy experience, she's smiling. <laughs> and she's smiling because she realises... <laughs> The joke of it all. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not about you having experience (laughs) at all. It's about you you being transformed (laughs) from somebody who hasn't experienced to you are the experience. (laughs) Already you're the experience. You're the experience of wanting and needing, <laughs> hoping and struggling and getting irritated, disappointed. There's plenty there already. Just start to look in the right direction. <laughs> you are the experience, you're not separate from it. And experience, direct experience is creating a sense of you, isn't it? Out of nowhere. Country drink. How did that happen? Isn't that worth looking into? How did that happen? How did this thing called you arise as a definite criterion? Who is she? That's what experience does when it's held to. Produces me, you, it, then accomplish. And then what happens with that? How long can the me stay, how can I need that sense of myself stay without needing to do something, have something, get something, stop something, form an opinion about something. Right? Is there such a thing as a, as a sense of self that just sits and oh, without possibly something I should be doing now, or remembering now, or figuring out now, or make something happen or stop something happening or have an opinion about somebody else or have an opinion about myself practice in the world, why not? (laughs) That's how experience when held to generates this sense of a self who seems to be somewhat separate from what they're experiencing which is kind of strange but they're also deeply involved with it that they really want to have something good happened to them. So they're not completely separate from experience, and yet at the same time they want to be separate from it, provided it's good. Mm-hmm. Of course, they can have it. Well, this is splitting, isn't it? Um, with a constant bond of, of need, of kind of having to hold on to it. Um, you know, certainly from that model, one can have experiences, that come and go. What would it be like if that if that separation could dissolve? And there wasn't a generation of that. Experience is happening smoothly, flowing. And there isn't that snagging and constricting. Wouldn't that make life more open, rich, potent? Wouldn't it be chaotic? Crazy? I don't know. Why don't we try? And this recognizes also within that sense of the experience frees from this contractedness, from this divisiveness, from this uncertainty and ignorance and hunger that it breeds. There's an innate sensitivity there that does not 
which is not inclined to abuse, inclines towards kindness, does not incline towards acquisition, inclines towards relinquishment, does not incline towards going crazy, inclines towards steadiness and calm by itself. This is the nature of citta, the experience that has no experiencer. It's experiencing itself, you could say. This is a deep dhamma. And generally in, in, in one's own frame of reference, we recognize, well, this is where, you know, the limitation is now. To work with that boundary of, you know, where I'm not yet open to, where I do feel uncertain, unsteady, where I do need support. Practically, where are the supports? And groundedness, very fundamental, spaciousness, goodwill. There's also the quality of, of, of ground when you resonate with it, with your heart, feels like you've been given something free, support. That's I might say fundamental uh, goodwill, a gift there. Spaciousness, we now have the ability to relate. So we can draw close, we can move away, we can hover. Spaciousness, there's no compulsion in that. Therefore, there's negotiation, therefore, there's experience now of mutuality, which is mutuality is lovely. It's not welded, it's not dissociated in its sense of how in the heart we approach experience gently, sensitively. That feels good, feels true also. And it's got the quality of non-demand, non-pressure, non-obligation, non-apprehension of things. Freedom in that. It's a lovely sympathetic quality that feels bright. And you can do this just in living in a retreat. You're just you know, sympathetic to the space, you know, other people, aware of them, respectful, spacious, kindly, not pressing in, not demanding, not dissociating, not ignoring, but just gently sensitive. It's a lovely way to, to touch base as a, as a primary quality. It's something to, to bear in mind in a, in a shared domain, as we all are, how, you know, how to not step over impulsively that domain of negotiated sensitivity. How, how is this for you? How is this? Can we contact? This is compassion, kindness, goodwill. And the rhythmic quality breathing in, breathing out, that experience is gladdening. Mm-hmm. You can feel the, the rising subsidence, glad, one feels gladdened to be so, have this energy run through, that's naturally healing, cleaning, beautiful. It's truly a source of joy. But if we Trying to get it right, we impose our ideas on it, our wishes on it, it loses its joy. It becomes work, it becomes give me the reward, give me the result, get me get me somewhere, it becomes a taxi. And that's not respectful. So in that quality of enjoyment, there's a light openness to it, allowing it to flow through, it's tracing it. This is both somatic, when the body is open, settled, grounded, and the breathing can travel through, the body feels happy, uh, and the mind feels happy. So as we use that, Focus, if you use that focus, just 
find out where you can start, where you begin with getting grounded in breathing, at the end of an out-breath, the simplicity of it, try to not get to, into stage nine before you've finished stage one. <laughs> you know, think, well, that's where I want to go. You know, no, just get, it'll, it'll go there, but only in accordance with your faith, your trust, your releasing, your contentment with just stage one, just breathing out completely fully, letting it all go, letting the breath arise, his own time. So your timing becomes body time rather than time of conceiving time. One day, two days, one hour, just one breath, one breathing in, the fullness, widening, opening, generating more space to receive that. And then it will tend to flood through the body. You're open to, if you relax, less intense. Less intense, just more contented. You tend to have an effect, the body begins to soften and open, you begin to feel subtler qualities of energy, breath energy, rhythmically moving through the body and beginning to wash away places of numbness or tenseness. You find places that seem very difficult, you know, then maybe just bearing those in mind but really widening your attention to include the place where you feel more the good energy is and bring the two together because you know, the nature of constriction, contraction in the body is such that it tends to separate we tend to get fixated on it still get a wide focus on all that breathing through just with the intention of, of generosity offering not get out of my way not go away but this is an offering of goodwill to places that feel tight, hurt, constricted, contracted in body or in mind actually is offering because this is the nature of jitta we feel good with that and the quality of goodness is unstoppable. It's, it's indestructible when it comes from this basis. In this way there is a, a furthering in Dhamma, a furthering in, in deepening, a furthering in, in the nature of jitta as it, as it begins to manifest. And this is where we should place our faith.